Welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read from 1 Kings chapter 7. Solomon was building his own house, 13 years, and he finished his entire house. He built the house of the forest of Lebanon. Its length was 100 cubits, and its breadth 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. And it was built on four rows of cedar pillars, with cedar beams on the pillars. And it was covered with cedar above the chambers that were on the forty-five pillars, fifteen in each row. There were window frames in three rows, and windows opposite windows in three tiers. All the doorways and windows had square frames, and window was opposite window in three tiers. And he made the hall of pillars. Its length was fifty cubits, and its breadth thirty cubits. There was a porch in front with pillars, and a canopy in front of them. And he made the hall of the throne, where he was to pronounce judgment, even the hall of judgment. It was finished with cedar from floor to rafters. His own house, where he was to dwell in the other court back of the hall, was of that workmanship. Solomon also made a house like this hall for Pharaoh's daughter whom he had taken in marriage. All these were made of costly stones, cut according to measure, sawed with saws, back and front, even from the foundation to the coping, and from the outside to the great court. The foundation was of costly stones, huge stones, stones of eight and ten cubits, and above were costly stones cut according to measurement and cedar. The great court had three courses of, of cut stone all around, and a course of cedar beams. So had the inner court of the house of Yahweh in the vestibule of the house. And King Solomon sent and brought Hiram from Tyre. He was the son of a widow of the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a man of Tyre, a worker in bronze, and he was full of wisdom, understanding, and skill for making any work in bronze. He came to King Solomon and did all his work. He cast two pillars of bronze, eighteen cubits was the height of one pillar, and a line of twelve cubits measured its circumference. It was hollow, and its thickness was four fingers. The second pillar was the same. He made two capitals of cast bronze to set on the tops of the pillars. The height of the one capital was five cubits, and the height of the other capital was five cubits. There were lattices of checker work with wreaths of chain work for the capitals on the tops of the pillars, a lattice for the one capital, and a lattice for the other capital. Likewise, he made pomegranates in two rows around the one lattice work to cover the capital that was on the top of the pillar, and he did the same with the other capital. Now the capitals that were on the tops of the pillars in the vestibule were of lily work, four cubits. The capitals were on the two pillars and also above the rounded projection which was beside the lattice work. There were two hundred pomegranates in two rows all around, and so with the other capital. He set up the pillars at the vestibule of the temple. He set up the pillar on the south and called its name Jaquin, and he set up the pillar on the north and called its name Boaz. And on the tops of the pillars was lily work. Thus the work of the pillars was finished. Then he made the sea of cast metal. It was round, ten cubits from brim to brim, and five cubits high, and a line of thirty cubits measured in circumference. Under its brim were gourds for ten cubits, compassing the sea all around. The gourds were in two rows, cast with it when it was cast. It stood on twelve oxen, three facing north, three facing west, three facing south, and three facing east. The sea was set on them, and all their rear parts were inward. Its thickness was a handbreadth, and its brim was like, made like the brim of a cup. 
like the flower of a lily. It held two thousand baths. He also made the ten stands of bronze. Each stand was four cubits long, four cubits wide, and three cubits high. This was the construction of the stands. They had panels, and the panels were set in the frames. And on the panels that were set in the frames were lions, oxen, and cherubim. On the frames, both above and below the lions and the oxen, there were wreaths of beveled work. Moreover, each stand had four bronze wheels and axles of bronze, and at the four corners were supports for a basin. The supports were cast with wreaths at the side of each. Its opening was within a crown that projected upward one cubit. Its opening was round as a pedestal is made, a cubit and a half deep. And its opening, at its opening there were carvings, and its panels were square, not round. And the four wheels were underneath the panels. The axles of the wheels were of one piece with the stands, and the height of a wheel was a cubit and a half. The wheels were made like a chariot wheel. Their axles, their rims, their spokes, and their hubs were all cast. There were four supports at the four corners of each stand. The supports were of one piece with the stands. And on the top of the stand there was a round band half a cubit high. And on the top of the stand it stays, and its panels were of one piece with it. And on the surface of its stays and on its panels he carved cherubim, lions, and palm trees according to the space of each with wreaths all around. After this manner he made the ten stands. All of them were cast alike of the same measure and the same form. And he made ten basins of bronze. Each basin held forty baths. Each basin measured four cubits, and there was a basin for each of the ten stands. And he set the stands, five on the south side of the house, and five on the north side of the house, and he set the sea at the southeast corner of the house. Hiram also made the pots, the shovels, and the basins. So Hiram finished all the work that he did for King Solomon on the house of Yahweh. The two pillars, the two bowls of the capitals that were on the tops of the pillars, and the two lattice works that covered the two bowls of the capitals that were on the top of the pillars, and the four hundred pomegranates for the two lattice works, two rows of pomegranates for each lattice work to cover the two bowls of the capitals that were on the pillars, the ten stands and the ten basins on the stands, and the one sea and the twelve oxen underneath the sea. Now the pots, the shovels, and the basins, all these vessels in the house of Yahweh, which Hiram made for King Solomon, were of burnished bronze. In the plain of the Jordan the king cast them, in the clay ground between Sukkoth and Zarethan. And Solomon left all the vessels unweighed, because there were so many of them, the weight of the bronze was not ascertained. So Solomon made all the vessels that were in the house of Yahweh, the golden altar, the golden table for the bread of the presence, the lampstands of pure gold, five on the south side and five on the north, before the inner sanctuary, the flowers, the lamps, and the tongs of gold, the cups, snuffers, basins, dishes for incense, and fire pans of pure gold, and the sockets of gold for the doors of the innermost part of the house, the most holy place, and for the doors of the nave of the temple. Thus all the work that King Solomon did on the house of Yahweh was finished, and Solomon brought in the things that David his father had dedicated, the silver, the gold, and the vessels, and stored them in the treasuries of the house of Yahweh. This is the word of the Lord. This chapter covers the building of Solomon's own home, and it covers the furnishings of the temple. So we start with the home of Solomon. So it took seven years to build the temple, and now we learn it takes 13 years to build Solomon's house. So almost twice as long. 
we're not told when he started, uh, simply that he was building. So at some point, either before or during the construction of the temple, is likely when Solomon had started the construction on his own house. It is possible, I think grammatically too, that he might have waited until after the temple was completed, um, although that would have been a significant chunk of his reign to have waited that long. Now, verse 2 describes his house as being built out of the forest of Lebanon. That's how much cedar was cut down from Lebanon to build this house. And look at the length. It's 150 cubits in its length. It's 75 cubits wide, and it's 45 cubits tall, a cubit being about 18 inches. That would come out to, as we measure our homes by the square foot, it would come out to an 11,250 square foot home. That's a big place, right? Um, I don't even want to think about how much an 11,000 square foot home might go for on the market today. Uh, it would be incredibly expensive. And this is likely more than one floor. It's 45 feet high. So it could be three floors, in which case your square footage dramatically would increase. Now, the Hall of Pillars is mentioned, but we're not given a function for it. Unlike the next hall in verse 7, the Hall of the Throne, which gets mentioned, and that's to be the place where his throne is as king and where he's going to pronounce his judgments. He makes an entirely separate house for Pharaoh's daughter, who he took in marriage. It's hard to say how big her house is, uh, because we don't even know the living space that Solomon chose to live in within this, and it's comparing her living space to his. The interesting part there being they don't live together even though they're husband and wife. Now, this is all made out of costly stones, huge stones measuring 8 and 10 cubits. That's, again, 12 to 15 feet uh, stones. And, and you can ask your kids the question, why does Solomon's house need to be so big? I'm not sure I've got a great answer for you. It's the, the idea of a kingly palace. King's palace has to be so grand. Um, this is significantly larger than the house that Solomon built for Yahweh, for his own God. The king's house, bigger than God's house. Now, on the surface, that may not necessarily be a problem, but it might show where Solomon's heart is, where his treasure is. Now, the temple furnishing section is going to take up the rest of the chapter. And a couple of thoughts here. First, we know from the book of Exodus that when God was wanting the tabernacle to be built, he actually gave Moses essentially a blueprint. He laid it all out. This is how you'll build it. This is how you'll build the utensils and all the things that the furnishings. He, he gives him that. And Moses follows it very specifically, as do uh, Bezalel and Oholiab, the master craftsman uh, that God gives to Moses to work the task. We don't have a reference like that with Solomon. There's no instruction, there's no notation that a, an instruction is given to Solomon by God for the building of the temple, which could very well mean that Solomon is building this house of God however he pleases to do so. Now, that can be both good and bad. 
the bad side of that is it it allows idolatry to slip in it allows us to start trying to fashion god to our own liking and our pride to get in the way as well but on the good side of things the idea of beauty and art and the architecture of the church has long been a part of its history so you look at the tabernacle and how exquisitely made it was uh, back again in exodus uh, starting chapter 25 26 maybe as you read that section through it was very very expensive in its, its construction and design and, and very intricate very beautiful uh, the work that was put into that and so there's a holiness that goes to that you know that that the temple of god the house of god the church as we think of the buildings that we have for worship today they should be holy they should be set apart when you walk into them you should recognize that you are in a separate space that is not meant for whatever purpose you want it is a place of worship you have come into the house of god and there's something to that and a lot of church church architecture throughout the centuries of the church has really done a good job of portraying that as you think about some of the ancient cathedrals uh, and the, the artwork as they literally they hired artists and had they had them come and paint massive artworks on their their interiors and even to think of the the artwork the painting done on the Sistine Chapel by Michelangelo and how he would have had to do it uh, you know on top of some kind of crazy high scaffolding lying on his back up there i don't even know um, the work that many people have put into building these these giant and beautiful structures but again that can be prideful and it can become idolatry that we don't want to give those things up the true beauty of the church is what lies within what happens within as god gives you his gifts through word and sacrament that's the beauty of the church so we can't miss that so Solomon brings to him Hiram from Tyre. The note king is not there. So this could be Hiram, king of Tyre, but most likely it is not. It just happens to be another man who has the same name. This man being part Israelite because his mother was from the tribe of Naphtali. That's an interesting note for us as she married a man of Tyre and she left Israel, right? Hiram is not of Naphtali. Hiram is of Tyre. This woman left God's people, which is not a good thing. She left the kingdom, which would have been against God's instructions, unless she was unfaithful to the Lord in terms of, of believing in God, in which case she would have been cast out. But one way or another either she has done something wrong or her parents have done something wrong that she is not a part of of israel and her son is born outside of israel and yet solomon brings him in for the work he makes lots and lots of bronze things here so you've got two pillars of bronze that are described that are going to go into the lobby of the temple and they get named right so jackin which means he will establish, and Boaz, which means in him is strength. These things are 27 feet high, and another 7.5 feet when you talk about the capitals that are set on top of them. 
they are 18 feet in circumference. So that's a sizable. I mean, I think of my arms, and I, if I were to try and make a circle out of my arms to hug something, hug the air in front of me, that's a, about a six-foot circumference. These pillars are massive, massive works of bronze. And they're, again, beautiful. Two rows of pomegranates, 200 pomegranates. Um, just talking about intricate nature workings of art. You also have the lily work that you see on the capitals too. Just a lot of beauty being put into this. And then you get a, a sea of cast metal in verse 23, which is a basin for, for water. It's 15 feet in diameter, um, seven and a half feet high, 45 cubits in circumference. So this is massive. It can hold 12,000 gallons of water. You might ask your kids here, um, why, what does Solomon plan to wash in this thing? It stands on 12 oxen. Uh, their heads are facing outward with their, their backs and their tails facing inward underneath the basin. Then there are 10 smaller basins being made to put on these 10 bronze stands that you have in the next couple paragraphs. Each basin can hold 240 gallons. Uh, they're six feet high. Um, and they, Solomon will put five of them on the north, five of them on the south side of the temple with the, the sea in the southeast corner. And the stands are being described to us with lions and oxen and cherubim. So again, much more intricate artwork. Uh, four bronze wheels, meaning these things are supposed to move, uh, that the, the priests can move these around. And then in addition to all of this, the pots, the shovels, and the basins that are, are put together as well. Everything of burnished bronze. Uh, it's made at the Jordan River, near the Jordan River, I should say, to the northeast in the plains. And Solomon doesn't even bother to measure it. He doesn't weigh it all because there's just so much. So everything has been completed at this point. He brings everything into the temple uh, that he has made, that David has made before him, all the silver and the gold, and he stores it all in the various treasuries that he has created in, in this temple too, as you think of those outer rooms that he's made. The temple is complete. Now, well, it will be when we see the ark brought in tomorrow. These treasuries cause trouble in the New Testament. See if your kids can think of any of those examples. You've got the, the widow's mite as she puts in her money into the temple treasury as an example of that. Um, that Judas is paid from the temple treasury when he betrays Jesus is another example there. Uh, and, and again, as a reflection, I don't think I actually said it, but a good thing you could talk about to your kids in this, this chapter is to talk about the architecture in your own church. Maybe it's something you do when you come to church this weekend. Maybe you just see at home as you talk to them how much they can remember. Talk about the different pieces of architecture, the different pieces of art. What are they there for? What's their purpose? How do they point you to Jesus? Because I can guarantee you uh, almost everything in the church, and especially in our in our more traditional architectural designs everything's intended to point you to Christ so that's a that's a wonderful conversation that you can have together as a family again uh, starting at home as you do the devotion 
and following it up as you come to church together this weekend.